0: in a nice neighbourhood in Denmark where the standard of life is high and the price is having your shit together. I'm a night owl, but very energetic, so I find ways to balance my off-schedule life with my corporate job which allows me to live in this very proper part of town. People here dress well, they don't smoke, and they don't stay up late. Except as one neighbour. I never met them, but I started noticing their kitchen light is often on quite late. I could see it from my kitchen, my light also being on. But like I said, I consider myself an exception to how people in this area and building choose to function. At first, I thought that they were just having a party, so that is why they're up as late as midnight or even hours after. But then I noticed, it's more often, in fact, every time I went into the kitchen, I would note their kitchen light is on. I would wash some dishes and meal prep for tomorrow, noting with the corner of my eye they seemed to be doing the exact same. It's not polite to stare at people in Denmark, so I would avoid approaching the window, but after months of seeing this light on, I got curious. One night, I was a bit drunk and lockdown had made me feel isolated, so I just went to the window and took a long look at the place across the yard. Same floor as me. I was a bit shocked to see that they did the exact same, coming to their window looking seemingly right at me. Very uncharacteristic of Danes. I thought maybe this could be romantic. I was, as I said, a bit tipsy, so I thought it would be fun to write high on a piece of paper and put it to my window. My heart skipped a beat in excitement when I saw them putting up their own high sign shortly after. Now I know they've seen me, and what's more, they're just as curious as I am. A bit too much interaction at this time though, so I just turned the light off and went to bed. Next evening, I was eager to see if they're still in that kitchen when everybody else around us is fast asleep. We could maybe share another secret moment. I got to the kitchen and I turn the light on and go straight for the window. Almost instantly their light goes on and I see them go straight to the window again. I'm so glad. I'm not the only one excited and anticipating this strange interaction. I don't even know if that's a man or a woman or how old they are or what they think this interaction even is. I just know our curiosity is shared. I keep coming to the window every night I don't want to lead so I wait for them to put up another sign, but they never did. They just show up when I show up and leave after I leave. Until that one night, I came back from a party. I was drunk and craving interaction, but anxious to be close to people since the lockdown so I was thrilled by this unique, intimate bond with someone I don't have to be close to and I could comfortably be involved with but not committed to in any way as I could safely leave and go to bed at any time. I drunkenly rush to the window with my jacket still on and surely enough in seconds I see their light go on and they rush to the window. Their figure seems a bit off somehow. I am tipsy but they seem a bit bigger. I then realise that they also have a jacket on, how random, but also it's a weekend night so no surprise, knowing they are often up late I assumed that they were also out tonight. I feel giddy about how aligned we seem to be but the feeling doesn't last my heart drops when I see a weird shadow suddenly soaking up the kitchen light behind him like it's a vacuum. I'm drunk and I know that, so I close one eye and try to clear my vision to make sense of what I see, but it gets harder to stay calm by the second. It's something like a person in the room with them, but strangely blurred and appears to consume and distort the yellow kitchen light. The neighbour is still leaning on the window looking back at me and they seem not to register their light is growing fainter and the shadow just behind them getting bigger and more shapely, now with limbs that seem too skinny for its size and they look to be bending at the joints in the wrong direction than a human limb would bend. It's twisted and broken, like a human body that's bent in every way it's not supposed to be. A head emerges on top of it with no neck, like it's been pushed into a body made of vacuum fog and white noise. I'm not sure what I'm looking at, but I know I'm not drunk enough to imagine something like this out of thin air, and as I lean on the window to shout, LOOK BEHIND, it seems this person across the yard is too distracted by me to notice what is behind them and too far to hear me. I take the piece of paper I used to write HI and I turn it around to write LOOK BEHIND YOU in large black letters in my panic. I look up and they're still focused on me so I push the paper toward the glass with both hands, hoping that there is time for them to react. I can't see what's happening as the paper I put on the level of my face to make sure it gets noticed is blocking my view. I swear I could hear my heart beat like a drum. I hold it for a minute both wanting to make sure that it's seen and too afraid to put it down and see what may have happened to them. When I take it down with shaking hands, I see my neighbour hunched over, writing something down. As the shadow is now right behind them, towering over them, filling that room and blocking all of the light that was once there and for the first time, the whole building across the yard seems completely dark. My heart is beating so fast, my vision is blurred, and I can't understand what is so important for them to be writing down right now. Just turn around, try to run, try to fight. My warning doesn't need a reply. They finally put up the paper, and cold sweat covers my body when I read the big black letters on it. Look behind you. I've just moved into my new apartment and I found a sheet yesterday when cleaning one of the old vents in the bathroom. I'm OCD like that and I can't handle the thought of something being dirty. It was two sided and written with sloppy handwriting, as if the person was in a rush. Even though it was such a bizarre place, I figured the previous tenants must have accidentally left it. I was about to toss it in the trash but I couldn't help myself scanning the contents of the sheet. I was due a break anyway as I had been at it for a few hours so I moved some boxes, sat down and began to read. It went as follows. It was Friday night and I had just got back from an 8 hour work shift at the gas station. I was working whilst up to my neck with college assignments but money had been low recently so when my manager asked if I could do the extra shift, I didn't refuse. After a long night of dealing with some strange characters and stacking shelves until my arms ached, I wanted nothing more than to crash in my bed. Life had been tough recently, losing my father to cancer and my girlfriend moving out just a week after, so I tended to drown my problems by being proactive, even if it meant working myself to death. I got in, made a snack and forced myself to touch up an essay I was writing that was due the following week. After some time I realised that I'd been sat behind my laptop for a while. At this point it was around 2am and my body begged me to stop. That's when I figured I'd call it a night. I went to brush my teeth and change into some normal clothes. It was then when I first noticed it. I couldn't exactly tell you what I felt when I hovered around that light switch. It was more of a thought. Like my subconscious mind was warning me of something that I hadn't picked up on. My body shivered and I visualised a cold breath going down my spine. It was weird, but I brushed it off and put it down to my lack of sleep, and then promptly undressed. Once I'd got out of my tacky 7-Eleven uniform and into something more comfortable, I paused for a second, turned off the light, and then jumped into bed. Now I am by no means an insomniac. When I was a kid, I was always that friend at sleepovers that was out in five minutes while you stayed up talking about which girls you had a crush on. It was one of my perks that I cherished. I could sleep like a baby almost anywhere, unfazed by the noise, temperature or anything that might hinder a normal person from sleeping. My mother used to call me Sleeping Beauty as a joke, but for some reason, this night was different. I lay there for a few minutes, maybe more, tossing and turning, blanket over me and eyes shut. My mind, however, was racing. I got this eerie feeling that someone or something was watching me. I didn't want to open my eyes. The room felt cold, unreasonably cold. I just wanted to wake up and be at my mundane routine like I was every weekend. I remember how my then girlfriend had always made a point of making me do chores and the habit had stuck. Slowly, fed up feeding my irrational fears, I opened my eyes. The room was… I couldn't describe it. Something was out of place. Despite the lack of light, I could see that I was most certainly not in my room. I know it sounds crazy, I too hardly believed what I was seeing either. It sure as hell looked like my room, but it wasn't. Through the pale moonlight I could make out that my wardrobe was on the wrong side of the wall, and my chest of Ikea drawers were on the floor. I couldn't fathom what I was seeing, the whole thing was like a cheap knockoff imitation of my room, but all wrong. I shot up, stiff, it was then, when I heard it, a blood-cardling groan, it sounded like a wounded animal but sinister, as if the strange sound meant me harm. I scanned the room but saw nothing, I went to turn on the light but just as I was about to flip the switch, I thought I heard it again, that same blood-cardling sound. Light flooded the room from the bulb and I felt everything go back to normal, tonight Was just one of those strange nights I'm sure everyone gets once in a while, when you just feel that the whole world is out to get you. I went to get a glass of water from the kitchen and I lightly chuckled at myself for being so immature, a 23-year-old man thinking he was being haunted by the paranormal. After gulping down the water and letting it moisten my now dry mouth, I headed back to bed again trying to salvage the last few hours of sleep that I could catch before having to get up. The light was still on. As my finger rested on the switch, I felt it. It was as if my mind was perceiving something that I wasn't, warning me. I was annoyed now. It was gone 3am and I had spent the past hour behaving like a child. Without a second thought, the room turned dark and I was once again in the warmth of my bed. Breathe in. Breathe out. Fresh air poured into my lungs and was then released. Eyes closed. Fresh air. In, out, repeat, no thoughts, but the air was too fresh, with a cold chilly aftertaste. It was as if I was outside and it resembled nothing like the stuffy air of my small apartment. I was sceptical but too proud to say spooked, again I brushed it off, deep down however I knew that something was seriously off, I was just about drifting off when I heard whispering At least, I thought it was that, but it sounded more like the sound a sleep talker would make, slow and unintelligible. It wasn't me. I wished I was asleep. Instead, I was here, hearing voices that didn't exist. They couldn't exist. Could they? I lived alone. They must have been a figment of my sleep-deprived imagination. Surely the mind does strange things when it's not rested, like the sleep experiment the Russian scientists did on inmates. They had been starved of precious sleep for days and ended up losing their marbles. Just then, something stroked my exposed foot. I think I died inside. It felt like a wet and slimy hand had grabbed my ankle. It felt small and, before I could compare it to anything, I sprang up facing the foot of my bed, an automatic reflex I wished I hadn't done. There, standing in my room, were two figures. One was of a small frame. Like that of a child. The other was freakishly tall. And not normal tall, but Shaquille O'Neal tall. It was as if he, or it, was hunched over to gain a better look at me. I froze. Still, I could hear my blood pumping and ears throbbing. I focused my eyes and got a better look at the two things in my room. The giant one was holding the small one's hand. His sickly lean frame was not in proportion with his body. I could just about make out their faces. And all I could say is otherworldly. Stuff of urban legend. Stuff you expect to read about in horror books, not see staring at you in your goddamn bedroom. They had grotesque white skin with a damp texture, as if it were made out of paper mache. Small black beady eyes that looked like shrivelled raisins. No mouths, no noses. Just those eyes, lifeless, staring at me. I wondered if they could see me in the dark sensed the terror that I felt exuding out of me. Just then, the smaller one edged toward me, now pointing right at me, dragging the other one behind it. How was I going to get out of this? Was this it? How I die? I then remembered how turning on the light had got rid of those strange groans, and turning it off had brought about these things. If I could only make it to the light in time, it was now or never. I counted to three, one, They get closer, two, heart pounding, they're a matter of feet away. 3. I make a beeline for the light and pound on the switch, but nothing. It can't be. I do it again, and again, faster, but no result. Their heads are now turned, slow rhythmic movements as they edge toward me, and that blood-curdling noise that they make. I run to the living room and try the switch there, but the same outcome. Darkness prevails. I thought of the safest place I could go, my car. As I made my way to the front door, I saw that it was... wide open. Ajar. To my horror, I found that outside, there were more of those grotesque human-like things. A lifeless swarm, just waiting outside in the corridor. They too were now creeping their way in, like a bunch of predators that knew their prey was helpless. I could have got a knife from the kitchen and maybe defended myself, but it meant passing my bedroom again, and the original two creatures were now already outside. Making their way toward me, the cold air rushed through me and I went with my last resort. The bathroom. I sprinted in and locked it, frantic. Small thumps began knocking at the door. They were patient. Very patient. I looked up and my heart sank. It had just hit me that my bathroom had no windows. I couldn't help but stretch a broken smile across my face. I'm going to die because I cheaped out for a crappy apartment with no windows in the bathroom. More thumps. I found the paper and pen on the floor a few moments later and it was funny, I didn't remember leaving them there, but was I really in a position to question reality at this point? My fate was probably long determined. I've written all that I have to say now. The last line read, I can't see the morning light seeping through the crack of the door, it's still dark and cold. Awfully cold. Just those rhythmic thumps every so often that keep me awake. It's been hours, maybe days, I've lost track of time. I get up, only to try the tap, but nothing comes out. I don't think I'll last much longer. I'm fighting the urge just to open the door and face whatever monsters want to get me. Whatever you do, don't turn off the light. I put the sheet down and thought for a moment. I was kind of creeped out, but I guessed some kid must have been just playing a prank on me. It was getting late and I needed rest. I went to my room, the only room in the house. Boxes were still stacked everywhere and I had made little progress. Before I turned the light out to head for bed, I had a… laughed. The silly story had actually messed with me. I proceeded to turn off the light and hop into bed. It's cold. Too cold. How did you two meet? Three years in, my boyfriend and I don't hear that very often anymore, but it used to be constant at first, from my friends, my parents, even his. I have a story prepared for whenever it pops up. We met at a party, he was a good dancer, which he is. I was a bit drunk, which I was, and my attempt at seduction was sloppy at best, but he found it endearing. It's both normal and cute enough that most people don't ask for details, which is what I was going for really. Jonas, that's not his real name so don't bother looking him up, doesn't really get why I lie every time. But he doesn't stop me either. That's one of the many things I love about him, he's very supportive. He doesn't always understand why I, or most people really, do the things that I do, but he trusts me, so he follows along. It's important, I think, trust and support in a relationship. I digress. The other day though we met another gay couple at a party and they asked us the infamous question. I lied as usual but for the first time in a long time Jonas asked me why I simply didn't tell them the truth. So I told him, again, all the reasons why people don't need to know how we really met. That it would upset them, maybe even scare them, that they probably wouldn't believe us and that if they did it might turn into a rumour, possibly even get back to his parents. And well, That would suck on many levels for both of us but as we repeated the same song and dance and i used my well-honed arguments again i realized that i was being unfair i've been out for most of my life the period between realizing that i was gay and coming out to my family thankfully brief they took it in their stride except for one of my two brothers but that guy's always been a dick anyway i'm not really used to keeping secrets and yet here i am asking jonas to keep an important part of his life hidden I still strongly believe we can't just tell random people how we met but maybe it's okay to talk about it here. Like this anonymously and among countless other stories of people who, admittedly, went through weirder shit than us. So yeah, I met Jonas in a car accident. I was coming back from a party, sober enough to know I shouldn't drive home but too drunk to realise the girl who'd offered to drive us was less tipsy, huddled in the car with a bunch of people I barely knew. It was a big party, I gave her the address to my place. We drove through the countryside, because of the new moon it was pitch black outside, the headlights cutting harshly through the thick darkness when it suddenly became way too bright. I realise now that the blinding light that engulfed us came from another car, but at the time it just felt like someone had turned on the lights of the universe. Both drivers tried to veer out of the other's way, but apparently turned in the same direction, sending both cars careening into the forest. I was the one who came too fast, feeling sick and most likely concussed. I crawled out of the car and ended up lying on the forest ground dizzy and disoriented. The air was freezing and the smell of gas, metal and blood suffocating. Pine needles prickled at my skin but I couldn't find the energy to move. Even looking in the different direction made me want to puke. I stayed there for what I think was a few minutes when I heard some noise. Footsteps coming from the forest. My vision wasn't swimming as much anymore, but everything was still a little blurry and weird, and also very, very dark, despite my eyes getting used to the little light provided by the stars. Still, I vaguely discerned a shape coming from the woods. At first I thought it was a person, and almost let out a relieved sigh. We hadn't been as far from civilization as I had thought. Someone had heard the crash and came out to help. I quickly revised my judgement when the shape got closer. Whatever it was, it certainly wasn't human. It might have been an animal, but then again, it was hard to tell with the lack of light, my blurry vision and my position. From where I was lying on the ground, it looked absolutely massive. I couldn't tell whether it was standing on two legs, four or more. Its shape seemed inconsistent, shifting. Or maybe I just couldn't tell it apart from the tree branches in such low light. The shape approached the other car circled it a few times, but then ignored it. Was it a bear? A bobcat? I tried to stay as still as possible as it got closer to the car I'd just left, but then stopped only a few feet from it. That's when I noticed something that I hadn't seen before because of the poor visibility. There was another person lying on the forest ground, face down, in the dark. I'm not sure whether they'd been in our car or the other. To this day, I still don't quite remember what most of the people involved looked like. I couldn't make out much of the other person, only that they wore white clothes and they didn't seem to be moving at all. It was unnerving. It became worse when the creature started circling them. It sniffed at them for a short while, and then took its first bite. I had to fight back a scream, then a gag at the horrifying sound of bones snapping and flesh squelching as it was being masticated. The noise was so clear in the silence in the woods it compensated my lack of visibility. I really wish it hadn't. My vision became blurrier as tears welled up in my eyes. That was it. I was going to die in the middle of nowhere devoured by some wild animal. But the panic soon turned into single-minded purpose. I had to reach someone. Call 911. If this was an animal then I had to use the fact that it was distracted. Ignoring the ongoing sounds of feeding I looked for my phone and found it in one of my pockets. Screen busted but still functioning. Unfortunately, I must have been more concussed than I thought because although I could still see the screen, I couldn't read what was written on it. Everything was blurry, shifting, and I couldn't focus. I was so desperate to get help. I didn't immediately realise that the sound of the creature eating had turned into something completely different. It was only a loud snap that made me look back at the nightmare taking place a few feet away, not anticipating to what extent the nature of it had changed. The body was gone, entirely devoured leaving only blood-stained and torn clothes behind. But the creature was still here, and it hadn't just been a trick of the light the first time. Its shape was changing, loud and wet cracking sounds erupted from it as its bones shifted into entirely new structures, the already undefined lines of its silhouette moving faster as muscles and flesh unravelled before knitting themselves back into place. I stared both horrified and fascinated as the creatures appearance and slowly became disturbingly familiar. By the end of its transformation, it was indistinguishable from a human. Completely forgetting the position I was in, I let out the world's quietest expletive, but the being had a keen ear. It turned around to face me and I froze, its eyes glowed in the night, reflecting the little light my phone provided. They looked like twin stars as it stared at me, unblinking. The man now facing me was tall, dark-skinned, although that was all I could make out from its features, and naked. I wondered, for a brief instant, if it would take my appearance once it had eaten me, if it would keep shifting as it ate every single one of us before settling on an appearance of his last prey, or if maybe it would turn into a horrifying mix of all of us, like in the thing. But almost as I thought that, it stopped looking at me, taking the blood-stained clothes instead before putting them on. It found something in the back pocket of the dead man's pants and looked at it. And then, for the first time, I heard its voice. J. O. It sounded physically painful for the creature to talk, requiring unnatural movements from the tongue, and its jaw worked painfully around each vowel. J. O. Na. Na the next sound that came out of his distorted warble. But he kept trying until finally... Jonas Hudson. He kept reading through the dead man's ID, age, size, eye colour, and when there was nothing left to read on the paper, he ruffled through the wallet for whatever else he could find and kept reading aloud. With each word, his voice sounded more human. When he was done with the wallet, he put it back in his back pocket and fished out his phone. And before I could stop myself, I said, Call 911. The being looked at me. In the darkness, it was hard to make out any expression on its face and his body language was unreadable, but I assume it was surprised to some degree. Please, call 911. Call 911, the being repeated. I showed him the phone in my hand, then the phone in his. 911, please. I don't know what I expected to happen, but to my surprise, the being complied. He dialed the number and listened to the tone. After a few seconds, a feminine voice answered, 911, what's your emergency? The being took the phone away from it, surprised by the voice, then slowly approached it again. Jonas Hudson. The being started yes mr hudson how can i help you it seemed at a loss and turned around looking at me i reached out for the phone he got closer my hands were shaking as he handed me the device it was wet with blood and in the flash of light that passed between us i could see that so was the bottom half of his face hi sorry about that i said to the operator hurriedly terrified that she would hang up on us i think my friends cost. There's been a car accident, I'm not sure where we are, somewhere around... I gave dispatch the little information I had, a rough estimation of where we were, the number of people involved and asked if there was any first aid we could give the other injured people. I also sat up as I was feeling slightly less nauseous. She told me that they'd be there in 15 minutes and then we waited, me and the being that had come from the woods, me and Jonas. Seeing I wasn't moving from my spot on the ground, he sat beside me. From up close, I could see his human appearance better. He was a black man like me, with beautiful eyes, big hands and plump lips. He looked at me too, although I would only know much later what he had thought of me at the time. Hey, I finally said. Hey, he repeated with the exact same intonation. So you're Jonas now? Jonas Hudson. Well, nice to meet you, Jonas. Well, nice to meet you. I'm Devon. Well, nice to meet you, Devon. We kept talking, Our conversation going roughly the same way our introduction had. Jonas repeating what he'd heard, then adding to it. Using the words that I'd given him, like Lego blocks to create his own sentences. As surreal as the whole situation was, it was also a good way for me to stay awake even though the adrenaline from the car accident and, well, Jonas was starting to wear off, leaving me shivering and tired. Soon the red lights of the ambulance pierced the night, illuminating the new face that had been stolen. Here, give me your phone, I told him. My vision was clearer now so even though my hands were still shaking a bit, I managed to input my phone number and send myself a text message. Call me. It's, it's a strange world out there, Jonas. You'll need all the friends you can get. Jonas looked at me, expression unreadable on that face he didn't quite understand the use of yet. Until finally he said, "Call you." And that is how the story of how we met ends, with seven people alive, one dead, and no body ever found. With Jonas's reflective and unblinking gaze on me as he has been whisked away by paramedics. Taken to a family blissfully unaware that they've lost one of their own and are welcoming a stranger in his place, with me staring back, following his shape until the very last second while holding my broken phone, not knowing that the text I sent is the first of many. There are, of course, many questions left unanswered, many nightmares to come, many beautiful memories too, all deserving to be told, just like this was, but there is only so much I can put out there safely.